good to be back. It's good to be back. Back in effect like wreck. We had a week off. Mm -hmm. How was your vacation? Did you enjoy your week off? Your week of solitude? Uh, yeah, no, you couldn't call it that. This fucking week has been a doozy. I'm exhausted. I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm in the mood to podcast. Podcast? This is episode 26. This is our post-25th episode. Second chapter in our 100-part series. 50-time podcast. We're carrying on. <laughs> like, comment, subscribe. Share the podcast with a friend. You can hear my chair squeaking. Tomorrow this will be resolved. Very nice. You hear all this? It's mm. been killing me. Look at you. It better be comfortable. It had better be comfortable. And quiet, because this podcast needs silence. Yep, that bad boy is going to be silent. Silent bad boy. A throne for the bad boy. A bad boy throne for bad boys. Wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> Today, guess what happened? What happened today? Surprise dental work. What? Yeah. A couple episodes ago, I had went to the dentist for the first time in a while since the pandemic started. I do regularly go to the dentist. The hygienist threw me a beating, so to speak, when she cleaned my teeth. Took x-rays. The next day, they called me up and said, hey, the dentist looked at your x-rays. Come in. We want to just have a look. So I come in, and the doctor goes, yeah, I just want to have a look. The other doctor said there was some decay. I didn't see it. And he goes, oh, yeah, there it is. Yeah, we'll do the filling right now. And I was like... <laughs> <laughs> no, nobody likes the dentist, right? I don't hate it as much as some people, but I wasn't planning on getting a filling done today. I was already so behind the game. I had so much shit to do, and I, the reason I didn't work today was because of this dental appointment, but I forgot that I even had it. Sitting on my couch at 11, like sending emails, like, all right, here's all the other shit I need to do for the rest of the day, and bam, the reminder pops up. Next thing you know, half of my mouth is numb for the next two hours. Wow. <laughs> And I'm tired. When they novocaine you, did it go all the way up your face? No, actually, they, they did a good job. I'm exaggerating a bit. It was on the top and the back, so they just hit that tooth. I'm always like, why can't I feel my eye? Like, my eyebrows numb. <laughs> like, what the fuck did you people do? Yeah, I've had that. I said novocaine, not cocaine. Are you upset that your dentist is a saboteur? And that when you went to get a cleaning, they put decay in your tooth? Yeah, that's true. Because I wouldn't have put it there. Why do you think they waited to call you? They're like, oh, wait for that sugar that we implanted in his tooth yeah. to take effect. Yeah, exactly. We'll get him in here. We'll, yep. we'll drill a hole the size of the gulf. So that's been my week. <laughs> I just don't feel like myself today. Well, snap out of it. We're doing a no, show. No, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm into it. I'm here, but I'm in a weird mood. I'm in a weird mood. I'm not in a bad mood. I'm definitely not in a good mood. Yeah. Have you gotten vaccinated? No. Why aren't you getting vaccinated? Because it's not offered yet, Richie Rich. But you said you wouldn't get it even if they did offer it, unless it interfered <laughs> with your trip to Cabo San Lucas. I think what I said is, I don't need the vaccine as long as my phone doesn't have 5G on it. That's true, too. Because if you have 5G on your phone, it activates the COVID. Yes. <laughs> Dude, remember last year? So this is like a one-year COVID anniversary show. It is. It was this time last year that everything started falling apart. Correct. Remember last year, though, when people were like, it's not a virus, it's 5G. The virus is in the 5G. It's They got to stop spreading all this 5G. How many of those people right now do you think are playing on their brand new 5G iPhone? Oh, 100% of them. I can pull up conspiracy theories in twice the speed. I unfollowed some dumb motherfucker <laughs> last year for saying that the telephone companies are planting trees in her neighborhood, but they're actually 5G towers in disguise. And I was like, I'm done. 
<laughs> I mean, they do do that. They have the tree-shaped antennas. There's nothing new about that. They're all over New Hampshire. <laughs> Some bullshit. Everything's fucking bullshit. I hate everything right now. You're, you're having a tough day, man. What? You know, I'm having. I'm not having a bad day. I think. I'm what are you so day. angry I'm about? Enough. I'm not even angry. I don't know how I feel. I don't. Like I said, I don't know if I'm in a good mood or a bad mood. But I. I think I'm mad because I. I didn't want to get a, a fucking tooth filling. I wasn't mentally in the space for that, and it just kind of fucked the whole rest. I swear a lot on this podcast compared to you. I noticed playing it back. That's because you live up north, and I'm a southerner now. Yeah, you are a gentleman. <laughs> Fuck that. I, I think I just needed to come on this show and vent tonight. Complain. Yeah. Give me some shit. What are you what are you irritated by? I'm tired of going out to eat. Ah, oh, Jesus. Another I'm tired of another it. Another meal on the road. I'm getting fat again, dude. I saw myself today. I was like, I was like, shit. I gotta fucking slim back down. I was looking good in the beginning of February after we did the fucking challenge. When I get back from New York, I'm going to try not to drink until I go to Mexico for my birthday. I'm not playing with that stuff anymore. I'm going to start hitting the gym instead. Yeah. I, I mean, every time when you go out for dinner, it's so easy to have a bunch of fucking drinks. Just doing it like five times in a week. So you work all day and then you have conversations about work all night. And then you work the next day and then you talk more about work. And then you post shit on Instagram so that people keep booking with you. So then you're just working and working and then you're looking at more shit. And then you're thinking about all the shit that you have have to do next year and then you're thinking about all the shit that still needs to get done and then you realize it's all shit it's all fucking bullshit none of it fucking matters and it never ends and then you go back out to eat and you have another conversation i'm gonna just move to a mountain as long as it has 5g and i can still podcast it'll be fine <laughs> it's funny because you you talk about all that repetition i was thinking about how different time is since covid started like I'm making plans to do stuff in, like, October when I'm hoping COVID is, like, gone. Right. But October is, like, just around the corner, except it's March. But, like, in my head, I'm like, oh, I just got to wait till October before I can do anything. That's fine. Sure. We've been grinded to such a halt, and it's been so boring. I feel like I'm in prison where it's like 10 months just flies by, but every single day is painfully slow. You know what I mean? Yeah. Eight months seems like nothing, but five minutes from now seems like an eternity because I'm so bored. Wow. It's like time is bent on both ends. Way to put it. It's fucked. Hey, do you ever drive yourself crazy? <laughs> I have my moments. Oh, man. I just... Uh... I enjoy it. You know what I do when I when I really find myself getting out of line? I'll just start talking about this stuff out loud to Kelly until she makes me stop. Yeah. I think that's probably what the podcast is good for, though, because we just air out our grievances each week. It's like Festivus every Tuesday. I'm going to feel a lot better after this. Yeah. Maybe we need therapy. Maybe we're just grown men that need therapy. Two of my clients, I think, last week both mentioned to me that they have a therapist. And I was like, why don't I have a therapist? I'm obviously a little fucking nuts. Let me ask you this. What would you <laughs> rather do? Go to therapy? Yep. Or pretend to be a therapist and talk to someone that thinks they're your customer? I mean, I do that every day for a living. It's the same session, right? You're just having a conversation with somebody, except in this scenario, they think you're the professional instead mm. of you thinking the other one's the professional. I think I could be, uh, I'm already qualified to be a psychotherapist. I don't think you have to get like a psychology degree for that or anything. It's just made up. <laughs> yeah, so why not? <laughs> Therapy is one of those soft sciences, right? I, I guess. I mean, well, the thing is, as far as I know, 
if you bottle shit up, it wears on you. It, it gives you stress and anxiety to, to be stressed about shit. The second you start talking about something, it normalizes it in your head and you go, that's not a big deal. I already told someone it's not a secret anymore. And then it doesn't stress you out anymore. So I, I think all a therapist is, is somebody to unload your secrets on mm. and then walk away from it. It's the same function priests used to have before they started molesting everybody. Do therapists say, hey, you know, why don't you try this? Or do they just listen and go, well, how does that make you feel? I think it's mostly about how does it make you feel? Well, how does that make you feel? Well, how does it make you feel? I think it's mostly that. Well, Freud said, da 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 da. Well, how does it make you feel? (laughs) I think that's all it is. Is it bad that sometimes I still have that thing once in a while? Like somebody's like, well, I go to therapy and I'll be like, well, what the fuck do you need a therapist for? <laughs> but I need, I, I think everybody probably needs it. I mean, the thing is, for me to go to therapy, for me personally, it feels kind of egotistical. Like, I need to go to a therapist. And I'm not saying that <laughs> is it for everybody else. I think people should get therapy. I think probably everyone should go get therapy, including myself. How much does therapy cost, you think? hundred bucks? I have no idea. I, I would imagine it's expensive unless you have really good insurance. Like, for an hour, what, a hundred bucks? Maybe more. I'm going to go to therapy this month. I'll, go, I'll find You're not going to go to therapy, dude. You're not, you, yeah. I'm going to. Yeah. <laughs> dude, you, you don't, for what? For I'm what? Gonna, you don't have I'm, feelings. For what? I'm going <laughs> to. For what? You won't talk to a therapist. Oh, yeah, I will. I'll, I'll find Are you going to make up a bunch I'll, of shit and sneak a camera in? I'll go have a session and I'll be like, every week I talk to this guy and he ridicules me and it hurts my feelings. <laughs> I gotta write this down because... You're not gonna go to therapy. You're too bottled up. One day you're gonna explode. That's the thing is like, I don't get massages and I don't do therapy because I like being just a, on the verge of an explosion at any minute. I got a 90 minute massage yesterday. It was the best thing I've done for myself. I should have gotten another one today because look at this mood that I'm in. Obviously. I like one. happy endings. I don't care for massages. <laughs> Have you done that? No, I don't go to massage parlors. I'm telling you, I like to keep all my stress just bottled up so I can unload it on people when I need to, either through humor or anger. Um, Hold on, I'm writing a note. Go to therapy. (laughs) I gotta keep this on my desk until I make an appointment. When's the last time you flipped out on somebody? I don't really flip out on anyone anymore because I really, I've... I've come to a point in my life where I don't care to such a level that like I was in a meeting today where like a guy was like raising his voice and I'm like, how embarrassing is that to have to raise your voice? So that's that's interesting that you were in a work meeting for your type of job and a guy was getting kind of hot. Oh, he was hot. Yeah. And, you know, uh, two weeks ago, a guy started yelling at me on a call. (laughs) How'd that go? I didn't care. I, di- I did not give a fuck. So he got to the end of whatever he was all fired up about, and I set him straight. I went, look, we're not going to do that because of X, Y, Z, A, B, and C. We're not doing that shit. I laid out the argument. He rejected it. I go, okay, if you don't want to do that, make it work for me. Explain to me how it's going to work. Mm. And he couldn't. So I said, well, there you go. If you don't have the answer, then we're not going to move on anything. It got to a point where he kept raising his voice. And then at some point he realized the futility of it about halfway through. Oh, that's the best. And then started apologizing to me for raising his voice. And I was just like, I just want to get this thing done, man. I don't care about your emotions right now. (laughs) 
But like, dude, I'm not yelling at people. Well, I care what you're doing. I yell for pleasure on the podcast, and that's it. <laughs> you got to save those vocal cords. I don't yell out of anger. One of the most satisfying things ever is when somebody's mad and they're yelling, and you're so calm, and you're just like, hey, man, you can yell all you want. It doesn't change anything. <laughs> I, I hate to admit it, but sometimes at work when we're having a business meeting, depending on who's in there, you know, there's like three of us that are kind of at the top. Things can get a little passionate sometimes, but every, you know, and, I, and I'll look at them and I'll say, hey, dude, look, you gotta yell at me once in a while and get it out of your system. I don't, that's fine. That's fine. I turned down a job once because they were telling me that they have these whole company meetings where people will throw each other under the bus in front of each other. The guy was like, how would you feel if in front of everyone... I had to berate you because you didn't get something done in time. And I looked at him and I said, I'm going to tell you right now, we're not going to be doing that if I'm on this team. I was like, that's just not going to, that's just not going to work. Right. You're, you're supposed to lead my team and you're going to throw me under the bus so that you don't get in trouble with the CEO in front of 50 other people. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I think we both know that's not. All yelling indicates to me is you have no control over the situation. Correct. You don't have a course of action. You're frustrated to the point where you're losing control of your emotions. And somehow I'm supposed to respect that as some kind of power move. No, I'm just going to be embarrassed for you that you don't know how to control yourself. You can't negotiate with people to any effect where you don't have to yell. That's pathetic. And then you're going to add to that that you lose control of your emotions. Like, I don't know. I've never seen anybody yell at anybody else and not felt embarrassed for the person yelling. Yeah. Like, wow, you're just above toddler in your development. Congratulations. I can't believe you're a 50 year old man. Yeah, it's kind of funny when you put it in that context. It just shows that. Have you ever um, have you ever read books on negotiating? No, not really. There's a pretty good book about negotiating called Never Split the Difference. It's from an FBI negotiator. His book is just dealing with people that don't want to negotiate. So, like when when you get to like a hostage situation, that person does not want to negotiate with you, right? Right. So it's hostile negotiations where the people are they're not willing to even start going to the table and, and discussing things. His biggest strategy for it was never start arguing with the person. Just start asking them how you can help them accomplish the task that they're looking for. Ask them in a very open-ended way. Well, if that's what you need, how can we do that? In, in his experience, it was all FBI stuff. So he's like, well, how can I get a car here in three hours? I mean, I, it's not like we have a carpool where I can just get you a limousine in an hour. Like, I'm going to need more time than that. I mean, how would you even do it? And the person's like, oh, I don't know. How long would it take? And he's like... I don't know, it could take four or five hours, but I mean, we'll get it moving. It becomes, try to have them think about how the task could be completed rather than trying to counter it. Because then you make them do the work, it wears them out. I'm glad I came on this podcast tonight. I'm learning a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about therapy and negotiating and business? Yeah. I find the older I get, the better I am at uh, business. I'll tell you that. Yeah, that's a fact. That or I'll get fired soon because I keep telling people no. Dr. No. Isn't that one of the life's greatest pleasures is telling people no? I actually like helping people, but the more you help people successfully, the more they ask you to do stuff that you're not supposed to be doing. Right. And then you have to tell them no more. Right. So I go, oh, you're good at this. You must be good at this. Do this for me. And you go, look, I could do everything because I'm that good, but you better start picking and choosing what you want me to do because I'm not giving you my whole life. I'm giving you the uh, the nine to five deal. That's what you got. So what do you want? 
I feel the thing that where I get aggravated sometimes, not, not to say that I'm yelling at people, but in business, is when people have these ideas, and it's like, well, I want to do this, or I want to do that, and it's like, did you even think it through before you brought it over to me? And it's like, <laughs> and then you end up be, being the asshole because it's just like, there's like 10 glaring fucking things wrong with how someone wants to go about doing something and it's just like you clearly didn't think this through and then when you don't get the answer that you want out of me then you're fucking pouty don't give him an answer give him a question go all right but what happens when this happens where do we go from there mm. you know what i mean let them think about it if the if their problem is that they can't see all the problems just start going what about this problem what would you do with that uh, another book that's fun is the righteous mind where it's trying to convince people of something different when they they already have their belief structure or whatever. Mm. That's a daunting task because... Yeah, convincing someone that uh, QAnon conspiracies are bullshit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, well, the thing is, is once you believe something, your brain actually uses a defense mechanism to protect that belief. Sure. When somebody counters your belief, it feels like a physical attack on your body. That's how your brain reacts to it. They're They're attacking us. And that's why people get defensive. They're having a psychological reaction to you thinking that you're attacking them. In The Righteous Mind, the author talks about how a brain is two parts. You have a person that can make these decisions, that can analyze the data, and they're the ones that can respond to the, the new information. But they're riding on a giant elephant of like biological instinct that's going to keep going on the path it's going. So what you have to do is convince the person on the elephant to start to steer the elephant in a different direction. So what it comes down to is basically, you cannot tell the person just turn around with your thought. You have to go, yeah, QAnon makes sense, but what about this one issue with it? Doesn't that seem a little weird? And then let it like decay in their brain. Wow, casting the shadow of doubt. Yeah, it's inception, man. Going into the job I have now forced me to read all sales, marketing, and psychology books. So that's all I've done for the past three years. So a lot of these things are fresh in my mind. Mm. Mostly how to manipulate people. So... <laughs> did, did you read uh, The 50 Laws of Power or The 50th Law of Power? Did you read either of those? I did read The 50 Laws of Power. I read that. You gotta read the 50th, that 50 cents edition of it. Oh yeah? Is it good? He's a Machiavellian mind. He doesn't strike me as someone that has a good foothold on history. <laughs> No. Is he, a, is he a historical buff? I don't know. A lot of those gangster dudes like books like the... They love the 50 Laws of Power and they like uh, Sun Tzu, The Art of War. The 50 Laws of Power, it's like, there's some interesting things in there, but it's like, yes. here's how guarding information worked under this circumstance or under that circumstance. And here's how not guarding information caused chaos here. But it's like, I, I don't find it to be very applicable. Right. He also uh, wrote another book called The Art of Seduction. 50 Cent or uh, the guy that wrote 50 Laws of Power? Uh, Robert Greene, the uh, the other author. Now I'm curious about this 50 Cent book, The 50th Law. <laughs> oh, it's a New York Times bestseller. Shoot that motherfucker in the head. <laughs> <laughs> do you think when rappers release books, they do what they did when they sold records, which is the weekend it comes out, they send people into all the stores to buy them just to get the numbers up. I would assume. That's such a crazy thing to do. Yeah, but you buy the books and then you can sell them again or give them away promotional. It's not that much of wasted money, you know what I mean? It puts you on the charts, baby. I've seen people do it, right? I've been a part of it. And the interesting yeah. thing is, well, when we were doing it at like small record labels around here, it's like you couldn't even buy enough 
It's like, oh, you, you bought out all the record stores in, like, Metro Boston. Like, what was that, 100 CDs? Yeah, you're really driving the sales up. I don't know about in, in New York on a major label with, like, a G-Unit album or something like that. But Politicians do it with all their books because nobody reads them. So, like, Ted Cruz is under investigation for using campaign funds to buy 10,000 books last week. They release a book. Nobody cares because they're a fucking loser. Yeah, I don't think Ted Cruz people, they don't read. Who the fuck wants to think what... Like Who the what Ted fuck Cruz wants book. to read a Ted Cruz book? Who the fuck wants to read that Ted Cruz guy? That's there it is. Bullshit. Let it out. Let that anger out. Ah. Harness that anger. <laughs> Let it out. Live in the anger. Seriously, though, who would want to read Hoo-ah! that <laughs> Politicians do it. Rappers do it. So I can only assume that like, when a rapper releases a book, they're doing it. I think more rappers should run for office. Worked out well for Kanye. I, I'll vote for him. I'm not voting for any Republicans, though. They don't believe in democracy anymore. Do you know, since we started doing this podcast, the hardest thing for me to do has been to read because I spend all my reading time editing. Just one more thing to be angry about. I'll tell my therapist when I'm at therapy next week. (laughs) I'm going to spend the entire first therapy session talking about how, you know, in that Sopranos episode in the first season where he tries to make out with his therapist, does that happen? Is that something that we're supposed to do here? <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure it has happened. I'm just curious. Is this where I fall in love with you? Or is that on the second session? <laughs> I just want to be prepared because I don't want to fall into that Tony Soprano trap where I try to kiss you on the lips. Have you made any headway with the Sopranos? I think I'm on like episode eight. Why don't you like the show? It's hard to get into. You know, it's weird because... Oh, you're, f- you're full of it. Each episode is kind of funny, but like there's nothing drawing me to finish it. Like it doesn't have a very like good cliffhanger action going to it. I don't care. Maybe if I get into like the second season, maybe things start to happen. Okay. If the show was just about him trying to build his relationship with those ducks from episode one, I'd probably be still intrigued. <laughs> But they moved on from the duck so quickly. They did. And now I'm like, well, I don't really care if his wife bangs this priest or not. I hope she does. Whoa, spoiler alert. You think there's people that uh, are going to get spoiled by the halfway through the first season of The Sopranos? Yeah, I mean, it was only on 20 years ago. Uh, what's your favorite contemporary show that's still on? Narcos is okay. They moved it to Mexico and it's almost entirely in Spanish. So like watching a show in subtitles for like episodes on end is a little rough for me. I'll watch it though. Netflix does like a lot of like one season shows that are cool, but nothing's like, oh man, I can't wait for the new episode of blah, 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 blah. The Cobra Kai show was funny at first, and now it's kind of eh. We watched almost the whole first season of it, but there was nothing in there that made me want to watch the next one. I've seen every episode of them, because they're only a half hour long. Yeah. And I will say, like, the first two seasons are good, and I I don't know if there's three or four seasons now, and it does kind of tend to go down but sometimes the writing's pretty clever on that show like they kind of like loop things back all the way around just the fact that like johnny's stuck in the 80s and like you know like doesn't understand like anything that has happened in the world post 1989 like yeah it's kind of funny like the fact that now he's the leader of the kids that he would have picked on in high school the irony isn't lost on me yeah yeah i mean i like the karate kid franchise i think they're entertaining movies part one and two after that man nah I'm good. You don't like the girl one? The next Karate Kid? I don't think I ever watched it. Really? Sometimes you gotta leave well enough alone. Like, 
<laughs> Why? Because it's a girl? <laughs> no, I didn't even know it was a girl. I haven't seen it. You had two. Dude, the next Karate Kid was Hillary Swank. No one cares about that version of the Karate Kid, dude. I hate <laughs> you might like it. <laughs> you know, women really related to that. What about the one where uh, Will Smith's kid is the Karate nah, Kid? Nah, never watched it. All set. Wow. I watched those first two. I loved Karate Kid 1 and 2 when I was little. I, I watched it over and He's over, a white over. cis male, everybody. Hey. <laughs> No, by the time the female one and the Jaden Smith one came out, I was too old for that shit. But sometimes I feel like you just gotta leave well enough alone. I'm gonna ask my therapist about white cis male syndrome. (laughs) Is it a syndrome now? I just invented it. Well, fuck. I'm gonna be like, have they put that in the DSM-7 yet? And she'll be like, oh, they're only on the 5. And I'll be like, they better hurry up. What DSM do you think they're on now? I don't even know what a DSM is. Come on, yeah, you do. What's a DSM? Is that like a PlayStation? The Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Health. Or mental disorders, I guess. Oh, I, I ordered it on Amazon, but it hasn't come in yet. I was thinking about something. No, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I feel like the word disorder needs to go away. Mental disorders? Isn't that a, like aggressive mental disorders? I don't know. What do you think? Mm, yeah, because I mean, what's, what's a disorder? Why is it disorderly? People have different mental capacities. Why is it a problem? I don't know. I'm going to ask my therapist about it. Why, why is disorder still a word? Shouldn't it be just mental differences? Well, what if a person's, like, got a thing like schizophrenia? Wouldn't that be a disorder? I don't know. Are you talking about Joan of Arc or are you talking about Wesley Willis? Because both of them did pretty well with their schizophrenia business. Oh, yeah. Wesley Willis did great. Yeah, that guy was living it up. They both died young, but they were very successful. Uh, I've seen the Wesley Willis documentary, dude. That guy was riding around on a bus singing to himself and coloring as an adult. He sold more records than Green Day. That's not true. (laughs) He sold more records than 50 Cent. That's not true. Why? Because he didn't have somebody that came back and bought them? Whatever, dude. Who do you think lived longer? Wesley Willis or Joan of Arc? I don't know. Because they're both heroes. Sure. Not all heroes wear cape. Wesley Willis died at 40. That should be shocking to us because we're on the same trajectory and we're about to turn 40. Uh Uh-huh. So have your midlife crisis. Um, Joan of Arc died at 19. What's your problem with people with disorders? I like misorders, not disorders. Can you clarify the difference? Yes. A misorder is this girl that works at the coffee shop. And this disorder is when you have a mental issue. What about the disorderlies? When was the last time you watched that movie? Uh, right before we get on the podcast. Really? That sounds uh, suspicious. No. Suspect. Why would I make that up? Who's your favorite disorderly? One of them. Uh, Prince Marky D passed away. Yeah, I saw that. What happened? I don't know. Very sad. How old are those guys, you think? In their 50s? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm done looking on the internet. It's boring, everybody. Everybody's bored by our internet searches. My teeth kind of hurt. It's because while you were in there, they put in another cavity. Ah, uh, they put a microchip under my gum. You got to go to a dentist that stops sabotaging your teeth. 
Speaking of dentists, did you know dentists drive more Teslas than any other luxury automobile? It's true. When they're not cleaning your teeth, they're musking about in a brand new Model S. And with nearly 400 miles to a charge, they won't spend the night at a charge station. They'll be charging bottle service to a table compliments of your new root canal. With over a thousand horses under the hood, the Model S delivers ultimate performance. Think of it as a mind-marked dental chair of electric vehicles. Yeah, it's that good. With front and rear trunks and fold flat seats, the Model S has plenty of cargo space for a mountain bike, 34 cases of gauze, or a crate of tongue depressors. The Model S comes standard with six LCD screens, Hulu, Netflix, and HBO Max, so you won't miss a thing on your commute in and out of the city. An autopilot will have your back if you need a quick nap. Or if your night out with the hygienist has you way too fucked up to drive a luxury automobile home. Tesla, a car with a battery. Okay, so ask therapists about midlife crisis. I don't know if 40 is midlife anymore. I feel like that's 50. I feel like we're still on the upswing. Most people die in their 70s, dude. So it's past midpoint. I hope you've had a good run. Kelly keeps asking me what I'm going to do when I turn 40. If it's a sports car or an 18-year-old girlfriend or just getting really weird. Maybe both. Well, she's trying to prepare for it and she wants me to start thinking about which direction I'm going to go in with my midlife crisis. And you know, I just haven't committed to anything yet. What are you thinking, gym freak? I mean, I'm already kind of there, except that I'm fucking overweight right now from ripping beers. Sports car then. <laughs> Harley? Are you going to do a Harley no, idea? I don't, I get no interest in a motorcycle. You like motorcycles? You like bikes? You want a hog? You look good on a hog with a fucking jacket from We Got What's Hot in the Swansea Mall. Didn't they bulldoze it? Where do teenagers hang out now? Amazon.com? Are you asking for when you hit your midlife crisis? <laughs> you stay away from those teenagers, man. That's not funny, Ed. Nothing's funny. What's your flavor of midlife crisis? What are you going to do when you decide that you I'm already a fucking walking midlife crisis. I'm covered in tattoos. <laughs> Somebody's having a honking party. Is that my place? That's your, your place. place. I, don't, wow. I don't hear any honking. That guy's having a midlife crisis. I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do for a midlife crisis. <sighs> I wouldn't do a motorcycle because they're embarrassing. Um, you hate motorcycles. I hate people that ride motorcycles and talk about them. Do you know what bothers me the most about people with motorcycles? They do this thing where they go, Hey man, the best thing about motorcycles, it's you and the road and it's freedom. Oh, when you're in a car, it's like, I mean, it's super safe and you're babied and blah, blah, blah. You and a bike, you're just on the road. Anything could happen. I mean, it's dangerous, all the shit. They love this freedom of danger. At the same time, they go, every driver is a menace. Look twice, save a life, bro. What are you doing? And they post that shit all the time. Like, it's motorcycle season. Keep your eyes out. Oh, drivers have no respect for motorcyclists. <laughs> It's like, dude, pick your battle. Either be a badass motorcycle dude that doesn't care if you lose an arm, leg, or die. Or shut the fuck up. Well, fair. Pick your poison. Fair points. Either don't ride a bike and stop bitching, or ride a bike, shut the fuck up about bitching, and just die. <laughs> you like that? You like biker outfits? Do you like biker fashion? What? Leather? Wow. Amazing. But like a leather beret with like a fringe leather jacket. It's... <laughs> 
horrible, horrible jeans. Gotta wear hard. You gotta wear bad jeans. Chaps, they like chaps. Some of them like chaps. I, I don't know. No, they like chaps. In case you get road rash, bruh. Cigarettes. What's a cigarette? Oh, smoke, they smoke? Fucking smoking cigarettes, yeah. They like do smoke they smoke? Them. I think they do. They're free. What are these uh, poofs that their women have in the front here? What are those called? Oh, like a bouffant. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you should just do the Baltimore thing and get a, uh, some sort of like a dirt bike or an ATV or a uh, quad. You know what I loved in Florida? Where there were people that drove dune buggies on the highway. You know a dune buggy, right? You got yeah. the, It's like a large go-kart with the, with the roll bars. I would drive one of those. Because that'd be fun. Yeah. I, I ripped that guy all over Baltimore. So what are you going to do for your 40th? I don't know. I'm still trying to determine what kind of breakdown I want to have. You should get a tattoo. <laughs> My first tattoo at 40? <laughs> yeah. What should I get? A Grim Reaper? <laughs> yeah, obviously. That would be a good choice. How about I just get my full name on my back with R.I.P. on a tombstone? Also a good choice. I get you two for two. Some tats. What would a really old dude go to get for a first tat? Uh, probably like a Celtic cross that says like R.I.P. Mom with like, like some sort of a shitty memorial tattoo. A Celtic cross, but it's made out of dicks. I mean, you always have to go there. <laughs> Not after I turn 40. That'll be my last dick joke until I die. Some tells me that we've you're going to double up on the dick joke. <laughs> Dude, I'm not getting a Celtic cross. Isn't that like some hate speech? I don't think so. I think it's just some towny shit. Do you ever have this thing where like, I get this all the time. Any kind of cultural pride strikes me as like hate speech. It's like, I yeah, love my people. I, I it's see, like, what about everybody that. else? I could see that. I mean, you see guys around here sometimes with the tattoo that says Irish pride, but it's so close to like white pride that it's like, or if somebody had like German pride, you'd be like, yeah, it's not going to work. If somebody showed up here like that, I'd be like, get the fuck out of here. I didn't know all these things were bothering you. What do you mean? Like, you needed to, you're going to go to therapy and you're going to be like, you know what really boils my water? Bikers! I'm adding this to my list. Heritage, bikers. Sons of Anarchy comes on and your head just explodes and you're like, this is an inaccurate depiction of life in a motorcycle club. Maybe I'll watch that. Maybe, maybe I'll delude myself. <laughs> yeah, good, good luck. <laughs> I don't think you'll make it through the first episode. You should. I do like that. Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman has a weird face. I could watch that. He's an interesting guy. And Peggy Bundy's in it. Uh. Yeah, I'll watch that. Peggy Bundy's good looking. Ron Perlman's weird looking. I'll watch that. It's like a freak show. <laughs> so, what are you gonna do for your fortieth? What's the uh, What's the crisis gonna be? I haven't decided. Do you have one yet? Are you going to like, nah. are you going to do that thing where you leave your family for the weekend and you, you show up? I'm going to go bungee jumping. I've always wanted to, I've always wanted to skydive. The police find you naked in Manchester, New Hampshire going, is this your husband? He's lost his goddamn mind. And then you have to go to therapy. This is not my beautiful wife. <laughs> this is not my home. Yeah. When I turn 40, I'm just going to start listening to the talking heads and like fucking music that was that's kind of cool but it's really for older people is that when guys break down and start going to the titty bar <laughs> not for fun though you know the guys that go to the titty bar uh, but it's not yeah, for fun yeah. it's for keeps yeah <laughs> i kind of low-key never want to go to one ever again yeah that that gives me the hint that you may be that guy <laughs> i just i never want to do it again man 
You know what it is? You say that, but like Rambo in the second movie, somebody shows up and goes, Steve, I know you swore off titty bars, but we need you. Larry's getting remarried, and the guy's never got a proper send-off, and we need you to show up and make it rain! <laughs> And you'll go, I swore I'd never go back in a titty bar. And they'd be like, you're the best. We need you. When's the last time you went to one? Oh, dude, I don't even know. Titty bars collected dust around here. I don't want to have a midlife crisis. I feel like I was having one the first half an hour of the show when I came on here and was just complaining about shit, but I didn't even know what I was upset about. I think a midlife crisis is one of those things, if you don't plan it, it could go totally sideways. You got to just... Plan your midlife crisis. Let everyone around you know what it's going to be. It's strategic. How do you feel about turning 40? I I don't currently care, so I need to probably get on that. Hey, you're dressed like Al Bundy on uh, Modern Family right now. A tracksuit and a Wu-Tang t-shirt. Yeah, if, if it matched better, if you had a black tracksuit, that would look cool. You should start wearing jewelry and, like, putting gel in your hair. <laughs> I never even thought about that for my midlife. I'll start manscaping and jewelry and... A little pizzazz wouldn't kill you, but at the same time, I don't know if that's really you. Oh, I could do that. Rings on every finger, dude. The funniest shit is when, like, a dude... Like, you couldn't just get one bracelet. You had to get five. You couldn't just get, like, a necklace. You had to get, like, a crazy <laughs> necklace. It's like, oh, he's wearing a crazy fedora. Like, you know, like, just... You're, you're trying so hard to be, like, Mr. Fashionable, but you, you went from zero you to... You don't want to step into a new fashion and have people think it's a fad, right? So you got to go all out. So they know it's definitely not a fad here, folks. Look at all these rings. I've been dressing like this for years. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to have a midlife crisis. I'm just going to fucking... Do you have any thoughts on 40? A year ago, I was like, fuck, man. Ugh. But it's inevitable. I think the thing for me is I've enjoyed my 30s, and I was excited when I turned 30 because I had become a parent slightly before that. Turning 40 is kind of just like, wow, where did, where did my 30s go? And I feel like I still have things I wanted to accomplish before turning the page on another ch on a chapter. Do you know what those things are? What? The things you wanted to accomplish in your 30s. Yeah, I mean, I did most. I did a bunch of shit, but... My thing is, like, uh, I don't really have any solid goals. Mm. The only goal I set out to do in the past decade is still sitting there, and it, it's not going to go away because I hit 40. It's just, I got to be patient. Like, I don't have any goals where I'm like, my life is a failure if I don't achieve this thing. I think what a lot of people go through is I think they hit 40, and they're like, I thought I was going to be important. And, like, I really don't care if I'm important. Hmm. That seems like a very American problem that you kind of give yourself that you don't need. I should be the CEO by now. I feel like a lot of people hit 40 and they don't even know what the important thing they were going to do was. Hmm. Oh, what was it you were trying to do? And it's like, I never really figured that out and that's why I'm so upset. I was on the way to getting pre-approved for a home loan and then this shit happened. And then financially the last year has not been the easiest year. So I would... Oh, I imagine it's probably been the fucking hardest. It's not unique to me, but then the fact that you're turning 40 and you're like, damn, not exactly where I was hoping it'd be with a couple of things. But at the same time, it doesn't really matter. I mean, what would the difference be if I'm turning 40 or if I'm turning 35? In some ways, I've done a lot more than a lot of people and in other ways, I haven't. But at the same time, you're comparing yourself to other people and what they have isn't going to get you anywhere. No, it's just going to make you miserable. <laughs> As they say, comparison is the thief of joy. And who is the savior of joy in that metaphor? Uh, I, uh... Titty bars. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I mean, I'm 
I'll tell you one thing. I feel like I'm living an appropriate life and lifestyle for a person of our age. You're doing it more than I am. I don't I do not do any of that. I mean, you you know, you're like raising a human. You're, oh, you're sure. doing the thing. Well, I haven't purchased a home yet, which kind of bugs me sometimes, but there's nothing. We only did it, though, because we we're throwing money away. For you, it's an additional expense, so. Correct, correct, correct. Like, it was more expensive for us to rent. And I'm like, why would we keep renting if buying a house here is so cheap? Yeah, well, we've also invested in the business, too, which ties up money. So, you know, I think uh, once the pandemic's over, I think we're going to be in a pretty good spot. I think right now is just kind of the time to chill. Lay low a little bit, you know, don't do anything crazy. You guys have weathered it really well. Thanks. You're working, you're coming out the other side decent. You know? That's life. I find the whole thing interesting because it forced me to throw a lot of shit on pause, right? So I had a lot of momentum in a certain direction and it just slammed the brakes on it. And it's not a bad thing. I mean, it's a different thing, right? So like I was doing a ton of film. I was happy doing film. I was growing in that world. I had to step back because they were like, we're going to do it regardless of COVID. And I was like, well, count me out. I kind of did nothing for a little while and um, then we started doing this podcast which is a totally different direction for me. When we started doing this podcast I thought I wouldn't get a ton out of it as far as like personal development but the podcast has actually been a lot harder than I thought Yeah, and it's more time consuming and I, I do a lot more with it than I anticipated. So I think I'm getting more out of it than I anticipated so I'm pretty happy with it overall. Like, you get more than you bargained for pal i got more bargains than i wait what is it more than you i got more bargains than i more than i did what is it you got more than you bargained for i got more bargains than i moored for exactly that's i was trying to think how to do it too how do you reverse that yeah (laughs) i like how you don't have any specific goals and no real vision for yourself that's cool that's that sounds relaxing (laughs) i think i drive myself fucking crazy I wish I was a person that didn't want to do shit and would just be content with having a nine to five that paid me all right so I could like provide for my family. I wish that was me, but unfortunately, my passions keep me up late at night burning the midnight oil into the wee hours as I think of the next thing to do, the next the next goal to conquer, the next bridge to cross, the next fire to light. And this is my this is my burden as a creative. <laughs> I think a lot of people get hung up on this, like, I don't know if it's American or I I don't know if it's a human thing, but... I think it's probably human. I feel like the biggest fear most people have when you talk to them is they're terrified of whatever it is they're doing is going to end. Mm. And my thing is, I've never felt comfortable that anything is going to be long-term. Ever. Mm. Every job I've had has, like, I just watch people around me get laid off or, like, the place goes under. In my entire existence, nothing has been stable. The the economy, while I've been alive, has collapsed, like, four times. Oh, yeah. It just keeps collapsing. They go, oh, all the savings for people, gone. Just gone. When people lose a job, like, they break down and they, they don't know what to do with themselves. They don't. They're like, my life is ruined. I think that's what most humans fear, though, is they desperately try to hold on to what they have. Physical possessions. Yeah. Like, material possessions. And then also, like, career-wise and status-wise. But to me, it's like, the shit's just always changing. So, I don't know. Like, money today broke tomorrow, but at least we're having a good time. I don't fucking know. Let me ask my therapist about it. Let yeah, me ask your therapist about it. Let me ask you this. Ask me two things. Do you ever think about how broke you were in the past Mm -hmm. and do you ever think about like 
if the wheels fell off and you went back to that lifestyle, how hard would that be? Yeah, you know, I've thought about that. I, I, I don't know that I could even answer it because my, my expenses are so much higher now. Oh, yeah, but, dude, your expenses drop very quickly when they kick you out and they repossess the car and they take everything back. Oh, yeah, I know. It all goes away and you just <laughs> go right back to where we were. But, like, how much dread does that give you? Uh, quite a bit. Right. Thank you for, when I, when now that I've turned the corner on being in a really <laughs> weird, not great mood for reminding me of the impending doom. But isn't that weird, though? Because, like, when you were dead broke, you hoped you'd get some money. In some ways, I was happier. I'll tell you that. Like, it's just kind of like, you're just kind of going with the flow. Like, you have less shit to worry about. You don't have this giant thing that you've built that you're trying to keep erected and upright correct so you don't have all that extra stress correct here's my thing man the poorest people i know the brokest people i know they're so happy they just run around doing crazy shit all day <laughs> like if that's not retirement i don't know what is i'm never gonna retire that's just not gonna happen my thing though is like why worry about like where you're gonna get to because you know being broke's gonna be fine you're gonna enjoy it yeah I, being broken old does not sound too hot though when you see old people and like they they don't have any money and they're like yeah that shit's not used to be if you were broken old you couldn't get medical care right but that's over oh that's true so now it's like if you're broken old man what you can't afford martinis all right well that's why they made md 2020 <laughs> <laughs> Very get familiar with it now. You gotta have some place to live. Hmm. Mm, no, you didn't think of that. You didn't think of that one. Where do old people that are homeless live? Baltimore. I see very few <laughs> homeless people over the age of fifty. That's true. Are they dead? Uh, probably. I can't imagine being homeless in such a cold climate. Well, they do have they do have public housing just for seniors too, so I guess you could do that. Do they? Yeah, they have like housing developments that are, like your city might own some that are just for senior housing. Yeah. So what's the problem? <laughs> yeah, if you can get in there, dude. When you're a senior, you might as well just rob banks. They're not gonna throw you in real jail. They might. So what? You'd be like, hey, guys. I'm a super rich millionaire on the outside, and I'll tell you all my secret fortune hiding holes if you protect me. Dude, what do you care at 70 years old if you're in jail? Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> when would you rather go to jail, now or 70? 70. Oh, fuck that. I'd rather go now. Why, dude? Because I could take care of myself now. I at least have a fighting chance. They'd have to put you in PC or some shit. Then you'd be in there with all the creeps. Dude, I'd run that shit. I'd be like, I'm the boss. Oh, would you? Yeah. Well, guess what? Not everybody's six foot five. When you're 70, people just think you have answers. So you just tell people you have answers. And dude, people in prison want you to, they want to believe a fairy tale. So just give them a fairy tale. Tell them you're a magic old man from the outside that can grant their wishes. That's what they want? I'm pretty sure in most jails, you kind of got to walk around with your paperwork. And then people will say to you, what are you in for? And then you have to hand them your paperwork to show them what you're in there for and that you're not informing. So you can take all that fairy tale shit. Take a fucking hike. Tell them you work for the FBI. Tell them you're going to get them out if they cooperate with you. Dude, tell them a story. People love stories. They love it. Yeah. And then you just cover up one lie with another lie with another lie with another lie. Yeah. Come on now. You don't do that. You build an army. Sure. Use your imagination, man. You know what? I'll put this on my list. I'll go to jail at 70. I'll go to a therapist at 40 and then jail at 70. Okay. 
Jail. Get a pyramid scheme 70. going or something. Do something good. Get get some money out of it. By the time we're seventy, there'll only be trillionaires and people without money. <laughs> so I'll be pyramid scheming the trillionaires. Good. Love it. Yeah. I got it. Okay. So what else is up? <laughs> Let me ask you a question, because this, I'm trying to determine if this is regional or if this is something that Americans are now doing. Okay. And I realize that we have not been to a bar or restaurant in a while, so I'm not sure of the current status of this, but this is something I've been wondering about for a couple years now. Okay. In Boston, when you go to a restaurant, do people ever request or have the right to request flats versus drums? I've never seen anybody do that at a restaurant. What do you like better? I like them both. It's not about what I like. I've seen this at multiple restaurants where a customer goes, I only want flats or I only want drums. What blows my mind, the restaurants cater to this until they run out of one or the other. Why wouldn't you want both? They're fucking monsters, these people. Everyone has their slight preference, but like these people are like... Flats only. Drums only. So I wouldn't hang out with anybody who does that. So I don't even know. You know how I am. You know how I am. If you're like the type of person that doesn't know how to act when you go to a restaurant, we're not hanging out. Like if, I, if I'm in there with you and you're snapping at the waiter, I'm, I'm, dude, we're not hanging out. So if you're a fucking dickhead and you're like giving the waitress a hard time, like I only want drumsticks. It's like, dude, this is Boston. They have a million other people to deal with right now. <laughs> Fuck you. Like you're embarrassing me and you're probably not a good tipper. So I've never seen anybody do that. I would imagine that there are people who do do that. I don't know if in Maryland where you live, that's an acceptable social behavior. Where I live, that's rude. Unless you're at Wingstop. I've seen it multiple times in, in Baltimore at different restaurants. Anywhere good? Yeah, some of the restaurants were good. In fact, I've seen the guy next to me with a plate full of flats when I end up with a plate full of drums. And I'm like, I'm getting drummies because this asshole needed flats only? Like, I get no variety because this fucking guy? Mm. The whole thing offends my senses Mm. to the moon. I'm offended. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't even live in a city where that's I'm not offended by the guy asking, although I think it's very pretentious to assume that they'll give you that. It's tacky. I'm offended by the restaurants for catering to that. That guy should be taken out back and beaten. He can't exist in a civilized society. I had a sensational fried chicken sandwich last night. Really? From where? Lord Hobo Brewing. Really? I like their beers. Whoever the chef is in there right now is on fire. Faces Brewing near me also has a very good Nashville-style hot chicken sandwich. But that Lord Hobo one was, like, as good as Eki Ben. It smacked. Not, actually, nothing, nothing's as good as Eki Ben. I've been talking about it since I got back. But. We ordered an Eki Ben chicken sandwich, like, three days after you left. Ugh. Because I was like, man, I want another one. I'd come back just, <laughs> just for it. Bird was also good, but... Yeah, the, the, the bow that they serve it on is, is good and it's soft. But however they're cooking that chicken is like flawless. Flawless. Flawless victory. It's delicious. And then they put the spicy, the sweet and spicy pickles on there. Oh. That's an award-winning combination. Can they sponsor the pod? I don't know. I'll call them. Maybe I can get them to do this episode. You know what I could really use is like... Three hours at, like, Fogo to Chow. <laughs> just like a quick... Yeah, it hurt. It hurts afterwards, though. I just want to sit there for a while and bask in the meats. Dude, go to a restaurant. 
I'm not going to a restaurant. All right. Suit yourself. I'm on strike. Suit yourself. I'm on strike. You just want me to get COVID so this whole thing will be over. Yes. Because in your world, when everyone you know has COVID, the whole, the whole pandemic's ended. I mean, pretty much. It's over for me anyway. Pretty much. I haven't even looked at numbers. What What's going on with the pandemic? Is it going down? No, it's literally over. <laughs> it's literally over. <laughs> yeah, you didn't hear? There were 1,800 deaths in the U.S. today, but yeah, okay. Yeah, numbers are coming down, so states are lifting all the restrictions, so numbers will just come back up. I guess, I guess Texas... <laughs> Texas has officially done away with masks. Texas had a bunch of people die because it got cold. I guess it was pretty cold down there. I don't know. Uh... Honestly, if, if I ever became president, and you can actually, you can leak this to the media when I run for office, but when I become president, I'm going to give Texas back to Mexico. I think Mexico's been a good enough neighbor where they deserve Texas back. And, um, you know, I think it's time. I think it's time. I'm no James Polk. I'll give it back to him. I like it. Yeah. Dude, do it. And then I'll buy Mexico for the U.S. Except for Texas, which will remain Mexico forever. And not only will Texas remain Mexico, we'll be at war with Mexico after I buy the rest of Mexico. When are you going to start working on this? Right after you edit this podcast? After I edit this podcast and I meet with my therapist, I'll ask my therapist if it sounds good that I'll run for president. Hmm. If they give me the green light, then it's war on Texaco. That's what we'll call it. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we've got about an hour and 45. Wait, we have an hour and 37 minutes and 38 seconds. You think that's enough? I'd say so. I want to go eat dinner. By the time I cut this episode down, it's going to be 22 minutes of, of actual conversation. We record for two hours. What are you cooking for dinner over there? Chicken. Chicken. Are you cooking? Who's cooking? Me. You're cooking? Yeah. Really? If you're cooking, then why are you whispering that you're cooking? You're like, I'm cooking. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Funny man. Who's in the kitchen cooking? No one's in the who's, kitchen cooking. Who's cooking dinner? No one. Hmm. What? How do you prepare chicken? Well, I kill the chicken, and then I feather it, or defeather it, rather. Yeah, after you put the feathers back on it, what do you do with it? Field dress it. Uh, a little salt and pepper, 400 in the oven for half an hour. All right, bring me one more topic. I've told you all my secrets about turning 40 therapy the works. Bring me a topic. Let's talk about something very quickly. When's the last time you lied to somebody? And what was it about? In this podcast or outside of this podcast? Well, you lie in this fucking podcast. That's all you do, you lying ass. When's the last time you lied to somebody at work? Never. I don't. I don't. I don't care enough. <laughs> yeah, it's not a good topic. It's just too incriminating. I give them the hard truth. Yeah. No, I just. Uh, I, dude, I get no value out of that. I strategically market the things that I deliver. Let me put it that way. Hmm. I got to get better about that. I work very long and, and very hard on my delivery of information to coworkers. I will look for the angle prior to presenting, even if the angle is I want them to be upset. I try to be strategic. I got to become more mocky. I'm, I'm too blunt. I'm My problem is I, I am too blunt and I'm too honest. And I feel like I owe people the the honesty, which sometimes you just get scapegoated as an asshole for that. Is it more or less honest to curate your message so that the person that receives the message is not confused by your intent? You'd have to kind of give me an example. Yeah, it's hard. If you're so, if you're presenting an argument, right, 
And there's a clear counter argument, right? And not saying your argument's right. If I'm going to introduce an argument, I first think about whether or not I even want the result. And if I do want a result out of it, what is the result? Mm. And I'm talking about work now because I'll argue with someone on the street for no reason whatsoever just for the sport of it. But when presenting an argument in like an actual case where you have something to gain or lose out of it, I want to know what I'm trying to gain or what I'm trying to lose. Because sometimes losing the argument will get you what you want more than winning the argument. That's also true. If you can answer that question honestly, what you want out of this argument you'll be able to better position yourself to get the result rather than the argument itself. It's good information. I'm a sneaky guy. (laughs) (laughs) I do think that there's something to people presenting something. A lot of the times it's like you're having a problem with a coworker or this or that. Say you're having a problem with uh, your coworker, Jack, and then you come to me with it, and you're just burying Jack. And if you go about it in the right way, I'll go, oh my God, that's terrible. We got to deal with this with Jack or whatever. Or you'll just poison me against Jack. When it turns out the whole time, everything you're telling me was to be taken with a grain of salt. And there was context that was not made known to the third party at the time, which is kind of dishonest in a way. Yeah, so one thing with humans is our connotation is everything, right? So, right. If you like Jack, Jack could do everything in the world wrong. And you're going to support Jack because you're going to go, no, you guys are all wrong. Jack's a great person. Jack's great. If you decide Jack is a piece of shit, you're suddenly going to formulate all your worldview around, we got to get rid of this fucking guy. He's a fucking saboteur. Right. So when people bring you information about somebody, you have to assume that they've already developed some connotation about it. So when you're dealing with that kind of scenario, there's two things. One, you can give into what they're dealing with with this person and go, well, I guess you're right. I guess I guess we should fire Jack. Or you can look at it as, why is this person's connotation on Jack flipped? And how can we get that back to a neutral standing? And sometimes to get it back to a neutral standing requires some pain. Right. Maybe it's disciplined Jack. Maybe it's... Tell the person that they're wrong about Jack and let them deal with it. There's different approaches there where, like, some sort of reality needs to adjust their actual connotation. Some people can live with it. Some people can't. But but that is the challenge. Like, if somebody's perception of somebody else is tainted, it's very hard for them to change their own mind. When I think about it, because I'm very quick at work to go, I wish we could fire this guy. And what I try to do is I try to back up and go, what exactly is this person doing? Like, am I just fed up with them because, you know, people are complaining and like they've kind of put themselves on a bad footing? If it's a connotation thing, then the person's presenting themselves wrong. And if if everybody feels they're an asshole, say they're an asshole, but their work is good, you got to tell that person, especially if you supervise that person, look, everybody here wants you gone. We got to strategize how you're going to make yourself more presentable to the team, or you got to start thinking about your exit strategy. But it's on them. You know what I mean? If it is their behavior, then they need to own it and they need to correct it. Like maybe they're pissing everybody off. But if it's a single coworker that's bothered by the person, then it's likely them. That's a personal dispute. If it's a personal dispute, then they need to figure out what's what's bothering them about this person and what it is that they would need for them to get over it, right? So, I don't know. Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs>
All right, that's enough. You got people banging on your door. You got to go cook dinner. Sign it off. Sign this bad boy off. This is episode 26. We've made it across the 25th uh, milestone. For episode 27th, I'm going to have a chair that doesn't fucking squeak. Thanks for joining us once again on the 50 Ton Podcast. Always a pleasure. For Steve and myself, we'll see you next Tuesday, you c***. <laughs> <laughs>